0: It out, take it down, see the eyes,
1: show why. you see me, living proud, living loud, I'm living. Dr. Kaepernick, I'm thrilled to be talking to you today about your journey that led you to found Edsnaps, your nonprofit social impact startup. To begin, can you give us a sound bite on what Edsnaps
2: is and what you do. We invite students that are interested in all these disciplines and we try to inspire them. We're not telling them what to do with their lives, what to do with their education, but we open their eyes and give them possibilities and explore what would they like when they leave like high school? What would they be interested in? So that is what Snaps is doing. And then hopefully by giving them good guidance and focusing on the holistic view of all these students, we give them value, we give them self-esteem, confidence, so they will go into the STEM force later on. So we're trying to create pipelines for like working with students now, and hopefully in 10 years, they will enter that STEAM workforce.
1: That sounds fantastic. It's a really wonderful mission. I know how important STEAM is for employers that are looking for people with those skills. So I think it's fantastic that you are helping these students along their career path to get to that.
2: Point. Exactly. It is important because, you know, it's it's all about people are talking about diversity, but what does that exactly mean? And by giving these students opportunities, because they might have a, a different perception of certain industries and they have no clue what they what they would like to do. So by giving them that little seeing shot, that snapshot, that educational snapshot also, and explore a little bit there, they might like consider like a career there, which is very important. And employers are always looking for fresh insights, angles. And so per definition, you don't have to study math to go into the FinTech, or you don't have to study fashion to work in the fashion industry. There are so many interconnections between those different industrial areas. It's like unlimited. And that is what we would like to show to the students.
1: That sounds fantastic. And how did you come up with the name of EdSnaps? How did you come up with that when you were... First, starting their company?
2: I have mentored a lot over my um, academic years and also throughout my life. Um, When I was like in 2016, I got the idea of like um, starting my own nonprofit organization. And at that time, I was mentoring Washington Heights. And the problem I saw when I was talking to some of the students, I was a mentor in an entrepreneurial program, is that they didn't have often access to a computer, but they all had access to a cell phone. And that's how the idea was born, because if you look at our logo from AdSnaps, you can see the like the word AdSnaps. And then in the right top corner, there's kind of like a little circle, and that is actually the lens of a cell phone. So it's kind of like the, the cell phone, the back of a cell phone, and we wrote AdSnaps on it, Ad for educational actually like the idea of educational snapshots and that's how I started I want to like emphasize that we're not taking like a single shot of the student we're like guiding the student over many many years uh, which we're doing now we have students now for the fourth fifth year with us and it's it's really amazing how they have grown and how they are like looking and finding their way in the steam almost workforce so it's it's very rewarding.
1: Yes, that sounds fantastic. I like the aspect of mentoring them over time. Uh, So there's multiple snapshots of their progress and how you're mentoring them over time. If you don't mind my asking, uh, I know you mentioned that you had started EdSnaps in 2016. What age were you when you founded EdSnaps?
2: I was 50 years old and one month. That's fantastic.
1: And since our audience is women over 50, I think they will really appreciate how you were able to achieve this fantastic journey and create this startup that to shows people that at any point in your life, you can achieve something that's really fantastic and has a lot of impact exactly to show people don't uh, give up on your dreams at any point you can realize that dream
2: exactly exactly and and don't let other people tell you what to do or how to do because you might have a really great idea i didn't really want to start in my own npo at that time but I wasn't really completely happy with what I saw in the mentoring. And then I was like taking the subway home and I'm like, OK, well, if I'm not happy with it, why don't I try and do it myself then and, and create based on, on all these years of mentoring and giving workshops and working as volunteer in different like schools where my children grew up why don't I try it? So when I called my husband, he says like, well, what took you so long? So I'm like, so he already had that idea that I wanted to do something different, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So in that way, had he told me like, or had he suggested it, maybe I shouldn't, ha- I wouldn't have done that because I wasn't ready for that at that moment, but it was just the perfect time, just the perfect, like, you know, you, you, you leap and you go and you know what, you, you'll see where your end. Point where we are now with uh, with ad snaps, it's it's unbelievable. We have so many students, so many volunteers that want to help, so many different communities that are reaching out to us, and now we're finally starting like you know to get that momentum, the sustainability. We get like our metrics and we have some benchmarks, and it is unbelievable. So if you are over 50 and you have an idea, just go for it. I would say I've done the same thing and I would do it again. So that's kind of like I I don't let myself discouraged by other people. It's like, you know, if I, I have like very high standards for myself and sometimes I'm holding myself back, but you know, then there are other people who are kicking me, who are supporting me, who are like, you know, helping me out. And there you gain your energy again. And then you're like, okay, yeah, I can reach that next step. I can do it again. And I can, I can go for it hundred percent. So never give up and just keep on going. I think.
1: That's fantastic advice. And I really like your story of, uh, you know how you have to be at the point yourself where you're ready, but also having that nudge from someone can also help. So, having the two together, I really like that story.
2: Perfect. Yep.
1: Yes. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit as we talk about stories? Um, each story has a beginning. And how did you begin with Ed Saps? You told us a little bit about coming up with the name and idea. Um, but I know that earlier in your career, you worked in science and you're a scientist. Could you tell us a bit about how that earlier background then led you to where you are now?
2: I grew up in the Netherlands and in the Netherlands, you don't have middle school. You have elementary school and high school. So in elementary school, hindsight, I was more an entrepreneur than a scientist. But when I started like high school, I had a very interesting biology teacher he would punish you if you forgot your biology book he would remove your lunch because he says my biology book is more important than your lunch so he (laughs) took away your lunch and then he ate it and then you would have like in turn you could like have your biology book and could like attend class and I thought that was really weird but In a way, I liked the guy because he was really into biology and then they sold like for 25 guilders and that was in 1977 when I was like 11 years old. They sold the old school microscopes for 25 guilders at that time, which is I think kind of like an equivalent now of like maybe a little bit over $200. I, I begged my parents to like, you know, I said, this is really cool. I said, it's a school microscope and they have some different lenses and it's really interesting. So I, uh, I I got permission from my parents. So I got 25 guilders and I had to take it with me to school and that was a lot of money. And I got like the microscope and I put the microscope on the back of my bike and I biked like over 10 miles back home because it uh, didn't have to rain that day. And I had my own microscope and my grandmother was living in the same village. And what I did for fun is I was early out on Wednesdays and um, I would make preparations. And then my grandma would like look through the microscope and She found this so interesting. I was was kind of like bragging a little bit to her girlfriends at that time, which were all in their 60s and 70s as well. So I ended up giving workshops to my grandmother and her friends. That's how my science started a little bit. And then I veered off and I went into math and I wanted to pursue like kind of my major in math. But when I visited the open house, I only saw boys and I was really discouraged. So I opted for biology and that's how I started my scientific career. Then I did my graduate work in Rotterdam at the Erasmus Hospital. I worked there in pharmacology, mainly studying cognitive development and drug of abuse. From there, I did my first postdoc in Sweden at the Karolinska Institute, continuing with the drug of abuse. And I got back to the Netherlands. And then my husband got a job offer all over the world, but we chose the United States. So we moved to the United States at the end of the 80s. Uh, No, uh, at the end of the 90s, I have to say, sorry about that and um, there I continued my research and I started nicotine research in zebra finches which was very interesting very promising and that's where I um, ended my scientific career with a wet lab and I transferred I was working I started my own consulting firm working on healthcare products and working with startup businesses and taking more the entrepreneurial route so
1: that's very comprehensive and you you really cover all of the paths which I like I feel that's helpful when you're you have both the science end and also the business end which was leading me into another question that I was going to ask about you had also served in a role as a financial leader at a private software firm and how do you feel having that science and business end helped you in terms of launching, uh, successfully launching EdSteps?
2: Let me trace back so when I was still like kind of like the 100% scientist, I got my MBA degree online. So I was like 45 at that time. My friend supported me. He says like, why don't you get your MBA? Because you're working on the side, like you're, you're a board member in certain like organizations. You're doing some work in a software company. Why don't you get your MBA? And I said, wait, I'm way too old to go back to school. And he laughed at my face and he says, you're never too old to learn. That's what you tell your students. So why would that not apply to you? So that's how I got my MBA and working in a software company. What I noticed is when I was working on different projects as a uh, consultant, focusing on the science aspect, is that it really doesn't matter what kind of product you're working on. It's the customer that counts. It's the whole team that counts. And if you don't have good communication, you're not going to go anywhere. And that is, I think, what I learned Throughout like working with so many different disciplines and so many different people from different industries, what I learned in the software company mainly is like, how do I communicate? I learned there also to ask questions because some of these terminology, uh, the people in the software company are using, I didn't understand so I'm like, okay, I can sit there and, and like not when they are having a meeting, but I don't follow. So by putting myself in the shoes of like the developers, of the salespeople, of everybody on the team, I could understand what was needed. And that kind of like blueprint, I apply to all the teams that I'm working with. Absolutely. And I think that's how
1: we feel most alive and engaged as we can be both students and teachers and we can have lifetime learning. So no matter what it is we're doing, there's always something more that we can learn or a new area we can pursue that can add to what we're already doing. Exactly. Have you had a difficult time or time period as you were growing and developing Snaps? that you could share with us so we can understand uh, someone, for example, who may be new at trying to start a company or start a nonprofit, what kinds of things might they encounter and, and how did you overcome these problems?
2: There are a lot of problems when you're starting a new business. What I would suggest first is the same as with the software company, know your public. We are working mainly in the Bronx. So I need to understand what is needed over there. For example, when I did the open house in the Bronx, they are looking at me. I'm a white female. I appear to have it all and I don't. I'm a first generation like college student. Nobody in my family went to a college. I'm coming from a very small village. People laughed at me because I had a dialect in Dutch. People laughed at me because I was very overweight. People made fun of me because I had self-made clothes on. So those are all kind of things that I can perfectly understand like why people are not feeling that they fit in. I was always like, I was like, well, considered in elementary school, I was very smart. I was like, a, it was a breeze for me, um, those those kind of classes. So I was always mentoring and helping out like my fellow students who could not like make the course or like helping out. And those are kind of like barriers that I can see And I had difficulties uh, when we had a startup and and that has every startups, like you have to get data because without data, you cannot apply for a grant. And without a grant, you cannot like function. We put some of our own money to get like funded there because we needed to get started somewhere. And I spoke with my family about that. And they're like, well, go for it, mom. And my husband is like, well, go for it. And I'm like, good, that's good I have the family support. So we'll see where we end up. So I offered the programs for free and I went through the school and I gathered some data and then you apply for the foundation money and then they laugh in your face because what do you mean you have 12 students? I'm not going horizontal. I can easily put up a, for example, a coding class or a biology class and invite 500 students, but that is not the goal of EdSnap's. SNAPS is working in a vertical way, as you said, like as we talked about it before, we're taking the students by hand and we're following them over some years. There's some sustainability in there because if I train my STEM learners, they will become STEM leaders and I can put them back in charge. I can make them leaders so they can give their own ad snaps workshops. So that is the value of it. And a lot of investors don't see it that way, especially like not four or five years ago. Now, with like having the COVID situation, with like we're talking now more about diversity, inclus- inclusivity and equity. I already saw that 25 years ago but it wasn't named. It wasn't like really the approach. So now we're getting more and more data, of course, because we're running more and more programs. But in the beginning, it was really hard to make people believe that what we are doing is actually giving you some fruits, but it doesn't give you fruit next week. It gives you fruits in four or five years. It's the long-term planning. And that I think was also our luck, and that we could survive through the pandemic because we had more applicants last year and more funding than the years before. That's what makes it work. So all that negative things there, I can work with that. You know, That's problem solving. But those positive things, that is what keeps me going. And yeah, you have moments that I would say, why am I doing this again? And it's like, yeah, okay, well, and then you have like, kind of like a negative day, but then you have other people around you. I have my support network. I'm like, you know, I really have a bad day. And then they like remind me like, why am I doing this and how we're doing this? And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, just a bad day. Tomorrow will be better. So that's how I I work with AdSnaps. And there are a lot of things, but advice to like startup companies that want to have an NPO work on your benchmarks, work on your metrics, gather data, do some surveys. It might not be much, but as long as you can show some data there and walk the walk. Yes, I like how
1: you draw that differentiation that You can learn a skill just by taking one class or a class here and there, but in order to grow a leader and grow leadership skills, you really need to be exposed to different problems and issues and and different exposures over time and learn all of the both soft and hard skills. That's really what I think is wonderful about your program is how you're bundling all that together to help your students. So I have one more question. I I know we have been chatting for a while and I'm learning so many things and really enjoying uh, so much hearing what EdSaps is doing. For our last question, I wanted to see if you could give our listeners a piece of advice that uh, you wish that you had known when you were starting your business or it could be something that we've left out that you wish I had asked this question and you didn't get to hear the question so any any piece of advice that you could offer to our listeners
2: well when I grew up my dad always told me like you know stick to your foundation and I would laugh about that and I would say yeah 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 that yeah that that's okay and my dad is now 84 and my mom and dad are beta testers in our programs because if my mom and dad can do it on a Zoom meeting, my students can do it as well. So it's like getting the generation above us, the 80s, the people that already retired, get them back into the workforce and help me out because they have a lot of experience. But they learned like math in very elementary foundations and those kind of things I teach my students as well. No matter how fancy Excel is, no matter how fancy a calculator is, you still need your brain to make a good decision. And I am not impressed by software packages. I'm not impressed by the most like advanced, slick presentations. If you cannot explain to me in a rational way how that works, or what is wrong if I encounter a problem, then I have a problem with your project. And with that kind of knowledge, you can conquer the whole world. So that's kind of my piece of advice.
1: Thank you. I think that's wonderful advice. And thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, One of the things I like in your story is how you were talking about your your parents learning uh, things from your students. And of course, the students can learn from uh, people who have that lifelong experience as well. And that's one of the things we encourage with our Living Loud, Living Long L4 community is that sharing of knowledge and experience with each other, with with our peers, and also with younger people, whether it's grandchildren or just neighbors. So anyone of any age sharing things because they're all different kinds of information that we know. And as, as you said, some uh, you may have gained over your life. And then there may be some things that younger people know and absorb about using computers or using cell phone, etc., that they can share. So no matter what age you are, there's some knowledge that's very valuable that you can share with other people
2: exactly and give people the value they have and give them like you know the the acknowledgement and i think like a lot of people they put like older people and then older i mean my age and your age and up because in their eyes we are very old for some some of these like students or sometimes even like uh, the generation just below us they're like well, you know, you should retire, but I'm like, no, because there's so much value and so much like knowledge around that we should use that. And I think we can make stronger communities also if we are using all the different types of generations. And sometimes, you know, there's a language barrier. Well then have some of the younger ones come in and translate. I mean, you feel very useful then. And by feeling useful, you're going to be more aware of your environment and you're going to knit a tighter community and you're going to see that like, you know, there is some positiveness in the world and people are willing to help out. Well, we've
1: come to the end of our, our talk today and I really have enjoyed speaking with you. This has been really wonderful to hear your perspective and hear all the fantastic things that EdSnaps is doing in growing tomorrow's leaders. And thanks so much for joining us
2: today. It was a pleasure talking with you and I really enjoyed your questions. Oh, thank
0: you. Looking for a positive, uplifting community for 50 and up women? We celebrate 50 and up women who are living loud, living long with authentic stories of real people who are creating the life they want, winning athletes, entrepreneurs and creatives we are tsunami wiping away outdated ideas of who we are we give voice we give visibility we give community learning sharing changing vibrant healthy strong if that's you you belong with us if you enjoyed our podcast support our work by clicking like subscribing, becoming a member of L4 at livingloudlivinglong.com, and donating to our Patreon account so we can keep bringing you awesomely inspiring people. See you next month.